Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. All right. Good morning, everybody. Why don't you turn to two or three people and welcome them into church this morning. Tell them they look beautiful. Everybody looks better after worship and a few cups of coffee, right? Come on. Well, if you don't know me, my name is Matt. Thank you for being here today. I'm going to keep this mustache as long as my wife will let me, and uh, which is not going to be very long. So enjoy it for a couple of weeks, and then I'm probably going to lose the fight. What is 17 years of marriage if you can't make your spouse mad every now and then? Come on, though, right? Come on, somebody. Like, this is a real thing. Like, we, we, uh, we it's like, you got to just keep it alive, you know? It gets boring if you can't have a little marital conflict from time to time over, over some mustaches, so... Anyway, it's beautiful. Welcome to church uh, this morning. Uh, Let's give it up for our worship team. That was beautiful. Always on point. Uh, You guys are amazing. Thank you for who you are and what you all do. Uh, Well, this morning, uh, the next two weeks, we are going to address the subject of the sanctity of life, which is very different for us as a church. Um, I'm very careful. I never want to preach the news uh, cycle. That would be disastrous for all of our faith. Uh, we, we don't ever want our ideology to transform our theology. Rather, we want our theology to transform our ideology. Amen. And so because we endeavor to be a biblically-based church and a church that does give glory to Christ and please Him, we want that, that Christ to be the center of our focus, and we want His Word to be the center of our focus. There are times from time to time that we want to stop, and, and I just feel kind of the last few weeks I felt the Lord deal with me. I felt God deal with me. You know, how do you hear from God? It's not like an audible voice, but sometimes I get those pulls in my heart that I just feel like I need to address some things. And so for the last several weeks, uh, I've been feeling that way. And I thought, you know, God, uh, I'm going to be humble. I'm going to do my best to listen to you and then approach us from a loving and biblical perspective. And so that's kind of the context you're getting in. Uh, I always approach every issue really as a pastor with humility. I, I don't know it all. There's no way I will ever understand everyone's human experience that is absolutely impossible to do. Um, And anytime we touch a real-life issue, there's real-life issues that go into all of these things. But for the last several years, we've stopped from time to time, and we've talked about, I think, issues that are just facing us as people, uh, some in our nation, some in our world, and we want to look at that from a biblical perspective. So my heart today is love, if you can give me the benefit of the doubt from that. Uh, and And then my head... And my heart is also, what does a gospel-centered approach look like to the issue of the sanctity of life? And so if you have your phones, you want to take some notes and follow us along with Scripture, uh, that'd be great. Just know it's coming from a heart of humility and a heart of love this morning as we talk and as we look at this. And then next week, we're going to actually have a couple different local organizations that are serving families. Uh, they're, they're looking at really both angles of this thing and doing their best to serve local families. And we're going to host them next week and talk about what we can do as a local church to actually help families. Because in my heart, again, I don't want to just talk about certain issues. I want to actually give practical hands and feet and be the hands and feet of Jesus in a community. Amen. And at the end of the day, that is what we are called to do. So while we might have different opinions, even this morning, you might disagree with me. And if that's okay, take me out to lunch afterwards and we'll talk and, and hug when we're done. But, but I do want to be the hands and feet of Christ in any 
any given community this morning. So if you have, again, your Bibles or your phones, we're going to look at a few different scriptures. Give me a moment and let me pull this up this morning. Now, those of you that know us, you know that we have four children. Uh, I have a daughter who's eight in the third grade and for the first time is beginning to give me attitude. Come on, somebody. I can't believe it. She's my perfect angel and I'm getting a little attitude recently. Uh, Then I have a five-year-old son who gives me lots of attitude, uh, but he's getting better. I don't know how kids decide to switch, but they do. So the one that did give me problems is giving me some problems, and the one that gave me a lot of problems is, is now kind of my buddy-buddy. And then we had surprise twins a year and a half ago, and that's our finale. We're done. Uh, but but I've, I've had four children, so I feel in a small way uh, there are certain angles that I have as I look at this issue, and I see the reality of some of these things in my own life. I want to begin with Scripture this morning. And again, I know it's a, a real topic, a heavy topic, and I, I just feel led to go there for a couple of weeks Um, And then after that, we're going to go three weeks on faith, uh, a series called Big God, which I'm excited about. Uh, But for all humans everywhere around the world, I want to begin with this verse. This is Genesis 1, 27. It says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This is what we call the Imago Dei, the image of God. You're, You're made by God. Uh, if you buy a product and you look on the back, you might see, you know, made uh, in America, made in China, made in Japan. If I could peel back your label this morning, it would say made by God. And I think there's, there's beauty in that. And, and what I begin with as a pastor, what I begin with as a believer is anytime I come in contact with another human being, one of the first things that I want going through my mind and my heart is this is someone who bears the image of God. And we may not agree, we may not see everything eye to eye, they may not be from my corner of the world or from my particular perspective, but I'm looking at someone who bears the image of God. They are infinitely deserving of my love, my honor, my respect, and my care because they're made in God's image and God's likeness. In fact, the Apostle Paul writes to us as believers, he said, owe no one anything except the continuing debt to love one another. Because you walked into these doors this morning, I owe you the debt of loving each other. Every month I pay my mortgage. It is a debt that I owe the bank. But to you this morning as you walk in, I owe you the debt of love. Maybe not because you even so much love me, but because Christ loves me. And I owe that as a debt to others. And everyone that is sitting here this morning that calls on Christ, you have the same debt to love everyone around you. We look at people and the first thing we want to see is this is someone who is made in God's image in God's likeness, deserving of this love and this honor, this respect and life. We are brothers and sisters in creation. I think King David knew this well. I'd like to look at Psalms 139 this morning. He said, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. A couple things I'd like to pull from this verse for us this morning. It seems that God takes an active role in the womb, knitting together David, he's declaring, and that this is done fearfully and wonderfully. I really believe that every human being is made with wonder and fear, that the image, the hands, the action, the, the breath of God is there for every single human being. I think both prophets, Jeremiah and Isaiah, had a sense of this, and they write in both their letters. You have Jeremiah 1 and then Isaiah 49 Jeremiah 1, 5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. A couple things I really would like for us to pull out this morning. God knew Jeremiah by name before anybody else could see him. 
God also knew Jeremiah's calling before anybody else knew his name or could see him. One of the thoughts I'd like to put in all of us here this morning as we talk about this issue, I think every human being has a call of God on their life. And I think this calling is known in the mind of God, in the heart of God, before we even ever come out of our mother's womb. And so while we may not see them physically, I think God knows our names. I think he knows our days are numbered, right? He knows our times, and he knows the call that you have. I believe every person, I sincerely believe this, every person in this building, I sincerely believe, has a purpose and a call of God on their life to fulfill. You know, a couple weeks ago, Philippe and I were having lunch and talking, and he was talking about the sense of calling that he has to serve others down here. You know, and it just kind of resonated with me in that beautiful moment. And I just thought, I just, it's so true. There is a call on every human's life to fulfill, and God knows that. And the prophet there had a glimpse of that. Isaiah 49 says, listen to me, coastlands, and give attention, people from afar. The Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother. He named my name. There is recognition of purpose and personhood and calling in both of these prophets, which I believe translates to everyone. One last thing I'd I'd like to look at this morning from this angle is Luke chapter 1. Again, if you have your Bibles, hang in with me one more time, take a note. Probably some of the strongest evidence in the Bible of personhood beginning in the womb from a scriptural standpoint. This is going to start start reading in verse 39. It said, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. This is her cousin, who also happens to be pregnant. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you were bare. She's talking to Mary about Jesus in, in her womb in this moment. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And this kind of echoes from Luke 1.15 when the angel tells Zechariah that John would be filled with the Spirit from the womb. What we can see here is that John the Baptist, while he's in his mother's womb, reacts to the presence of Jesus. That his mental, his emotional, his physical facilities were all intact in the womb, and he actually spiritually reacted to the presence of Jesus and then filled with the Spirit, which would mess up most of our theologies. God will mess up your theology from time to time, won't he? And that's okay. I think he's, he's a big God. He's, he's out of the box in a lot of ways. But I think what we can see here is personhood in the womb. God knew John the Baptist. He knew his calling. He's interacting with the presence of Christ. Now, for some of you this morning, you're like, I understand I'm at a church and I'm getting a scriptural perspective. What I would also like to just say is a lot of believers also get to this place from what we observe in science as well. Around five or six weeks, the heart starts beating. Babies can feel pain at about 12 weeks. They begin sucking their thumb at about the same time. Most babies or some babies are viable at 24 weeks. Brain functioning like hearing, smell, touch are all present at 28 weeks. Personally, one of the great inconsistencies that I see in our culture is that we will call life, you know, bacteria, we'll call that life on Mars, but we won't talk about the life that is in the womb. If we acknowledge personhood from Scripture and from science as believers, and again, coming from a heart of love this morning, then obviously there are scriptural and spiritual and real ramifications of this. So if we look at personhood and we acknowledge that, then obviously we see a human, we see a calling, we see a name, we see life, and we want to defend that life, that, that now we see a person made in the image of God, 
And our heart is, well, I want to try to take care of that, of that person, right? And so we begin to think along these lines. The Bible does talk a lot throughout Scripture about the shedding of innocent blood. And I, and I do think a case could be made that there may not be a more uh, defenseless victim in the world than an unborn child. They have no ability to defend whatsoever. And so if we get to this place from Scripture, from science, those of us that are there and maybe some of us this morning that are thinking about the words that I'm, I'm saying, there is, a, again, a natural ramification of, well, we want to try to take care of this person. We don't want to lose them. We want to do what we can to serve them. Another angle for us as believers this morning is that Jesus cares deeply about women. Everywhere Jesus went, everywhere the gospel goes, women are elevated. And there's no question throughout history, different times, that women in, in a singular case or a plural case have been oppressed or misused or harmed. And so we also want to look at them this morning. Scripture is actually filled with instances of God coming through, helping, providing miracles, using women for his glory. I think of Rahab this morning in the book of Joshua. She called out to God and she said, God saved me and my family. Everyone else is getting destroyed and God rescued her. Not only did he rescue her, he put her in the lineage of Jesus Christ, giving her a high position of honor. I think of Ruth. I think of Deborah, who is one of the judges and leaders in Israel that God anointed and that God used in a very real and major way. I think of Esther, that God really his favor, put her in a certain position at a certain time in history to save her people, and God used her in a beautiful way. I think one of the most real instances is Jesus with the woman caught in the act of adultery. When all the religious leaders in that moment were very concerned about right and wrong, Jesus was concerned about her. And I'd like that to sit inside of our hearts this morning. In our pursuit of right and wrong, may we never lose our compassion. In our pursuit of justice in anything, may we not lose our mercy. When everyone cared about the law, Jesus cared about the lady. He cared about the person. As believers, we will always have this really interesting tension of loving people, I think pursuing justice, but never letting go of mercy. I think pursuing right and wrong and following God with all of our hearts and giving our whole mind, heart, and strength, and yet never losing love for broken people and people who are hurting and people who may not be in the best situation. This is one of those things that we look at right and wrong, but we want the heart of Christ in everything that we do. And I see this really personified in Jesus. Because Jesus loves women, we are his church, we love women. We don't want to see women go back. I don't want to see women go down. I have a mother whom I happen to love with all my heart. I really owe my salvation to her. She was preaching, preaching, preaching to me, man, for a long time. So I'm very grateful for my mom. No one in this world has loved me like my mother. It's just, there's just something about the love of a mom, and y'all know what I'm talking about, those of you that have wonderful moms. I have two sisters. One is a medical doctor, and one is a veterinarian. They're both smarter than me. I can't talk any biology with them at all. I can't stand it. I, it's just, there's no medical conversations because I'm going to lose them all, you know? It's very frustrating. They're brilliant. They're amazing. I love them with all my heart. Um, I have a wife who I've been married to for 17 years who's brilliant, who can design websites. And I can't afford my wife. Thank God she works for free and love. You know, like I, she does so much for the ministry and I, she means the world to me, obviously. And, and she's amazing. I have, two, I have two daughters. 
right? Audrey and Juliana now that I, that I love. I, why wouldn't I want my daughters to have every uh, opportunity that my sons would get in life? Obviously, I want to see my daughters succeed like I hope my, my sons succeed. I, I love them. My little girl Juliana's got curls, and out of all my four kids, she's the only one that wants me. The other three only want mom, but she'll come to me. So how many of you know she's going to Stanford, guys? Come on, like, like we're going to find some money for that one and take care of her and bless her and, you know, whatever we need to do. We're gonna, the rest of them are going to community college, but she's, she's going somewhere good. Because Jesus loves women, we are his church. We love women. So I would like to land on this powerful question this morning that I'd like to bring our hearts and our heads to. And you can put it, how do we love both lives? And I really am convicted and convinced this is the question for the church in the next hundred years as we go forward. How do we love them both? How do we serve them both? How do we help them both? How do we bring them both to the fullness of life in Christ? This is John 10.10. I have come that they may have life and they might have it to the full. This is Jesus talking. So if Jesus came that you and I might have life and that we might live it to the full, I feel like this is the very profound and very correct question for all believers to ask right now. How do I love them both and how do I help them both experience all the life of Jesus that he has come to provide for them? As a church, as we go forward, one of the things we're doing as a church plan is kind of establishing who we are, our identity, our culture. And that question of how do we love them both is probably where I'm going to land for the next hundred years. Obviously, I won't be around in 100 years, but this is where my heart has landed. I want to look at two humans, and I want to help them both. You might disagree with them this morning. That's okay. Take me out for coffee. We'll talk, but this is kind of where I've landed. This morning, in the next 10 or so minutes, you know, as I wind down my last kind of point this morning, is uh, you might be here this morning, um, and maybe you're on the opposite side of my particular view this morning. Uh, maybe you're in here, you've had an abortion before, maybe uh, you're a guy in here, maybe you encouraged your girlfriend to get one or paid for one at some time, and you might be wondering, well, does Pastor Matt, you know, does he hate me now? Does he even want me in this church anymore? Is there a space for me in this church? Am I wanted here? And the answer to that is absolutely, we want you here. Absolutely, we, we want you here. This is the message for all of us. Uh, the Bible is very clear that we've all made mistakes, we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all acted in ways that would be contrary to him. Church is for all of us. We are all in great need of this thing called church. We're in need of Jesus. We're in need of forgiveness this morning, which I believe is offered to every single person here under the sound of my voice. I believe forgiveness is offered to you this morning through Jesus. First uh, John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So if you're in here this morning and, you know, again, you've perhaps had one, I believe there's forgiveness for you. I believe God is willing to take care of the guilt and remove any guilt or shame or just feelings of unworthiness this morning. All of these things, are, we believe, are not from God and the heart of God. We believe there is forgiveness in everything that we might do wrong. We believe there's newness of life. We believe there's freshness. We believe that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be new creations in Christ Jesus. And so I want you to hear that and to know that from me. Again, looking at John the Baptist in John 1, 29, he sees Jesus come and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Our message will always be Jesus takes away the sin of the world. 
we will always have a position of we want to love everyone because they're made in the image and likeness of God. Our position is, hey, anyone can have a new beginning and everyone needs Jesus. Our position is we are not the heroes. The church is not the hero. We are all recovering villains in need of Jesus who is the hero. Our position is never we are perfect, you are imperfect. We are right, you are wrong. Our message will squarely and always be we are all in need of this man, Jesus. Amen. So we believe it's offered. Forgiveness is offered. Newness is offered. Um, really for everyone, just like anything else. Um, the last few moments, again, I, I just want to wind down on a, on a personal level. I had a conversation with somebody a couple weeks ago. I said, you know, for me, my heart is I want my daughters to succeed, and I also want my granddaughters to succeed. And I'm going to land it with just a personal note of that is, you know, if I had to ask myself the question, like, well, if my, my daughter Audrey, if she ever, you know, was maybe perhaps pregnant, unplanned, and, you know, what would I want? And I, I came to find myself in the end saying, like, well, I would do all I could do to help, right? And, and if, if she wants, right, like, it's like I want to see her succeed, and I want to see my granddaughter succeed. And I had to ask myself, well, if this is my position as an imperfect man, I, I wonder if that wouldn't be God's position as a perfect heavenly father. And I really do. I believe as I wind down today, I believe he's a God of life. I believe he's a God of love. And I believe he'd love to give everybody a chance at the fullness of life. And so again this morning, maybe you just stomached the last 25 minutes. Take me out for coffee. We'll talk. All right, I love you. I really do. It's coming from a heart of, of humility. And I, I don't know it all. I, I have, I'm helping raise four children. So I, I'm, I'm understanding some of just the very real realities of, of raising kids. And single moms that are out there, you are our heroes because you're doing everything by yourself, trying to provide, trying to feed, trying to work. You're our heroes. There's no, I mean, we're, you're our heroes, okay? And so that's always going to be the heart of our church. We just really want to stand behind. We believe we serve a God of life and love. And so our stance will always be life and love. Would you pray with me this morning as I wind down? Heavenly Father, thank you for today. And God, in just a spirit of humility, I know that we touched on an issue that is that's hard. Um, but I also believe that you're greater, that you're bigger, that your love is stronger. And Lord, no human being can see all of human perspective, but I believe that you do. And Lord, I believe your word does talk about life in the womb. I believe it's there. And Lord, we want to be scriptural. We want to be founded on truth. And we want hearts full of compassion because we don't want to just believe in right and wrong and not care about people. We really never want to let go of mercy. We never want to let go of compassion. We never want to stop serving people. And God, as we go forward as a local church and all the things that are happening in our country, God, would you really empower us, Lord, with the resources, with the heart, with the hands, with the feet to begin to serve families like we've never, ever done before? God, maybe there's a young couple in here. Maybe they can't even have any kids. Maybe, maybe they might even consider adopting. Or maybe you're putting a fresh anointing on our church to do something we've never done before to help, to help families. And so, God, would you help us in our story the next 20, 30 years? God, would you help us lift as much weight in this community as possible? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing week.